is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Stand your ground, men. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. And the twin part forwards. There will be no survivor. No? Not yet. My men are here. I am here. But soon you will not be here. No! Light him. The twin power twobbers takes no survivor. All you wolves, nightmares, are about to come true. Then love, true love, will follow you forever. The Twain Parrot Robert is here for you to Princess Bahwa. Man and wife. Say man and wife. Man and wife. Escort the bride to the honeymoon suite. I'll be there shortly. I love this movie. How many of you have seen the movie? Marriage is what brings us together today. One of these days I'm going to do that in one of your ceremonies just for fun. Uh, marriage brings us together today. Life is what drives us apart tomorrow. Right? Some of the marriages in our church right now are on the verge of divorce. They've been on this pathway that leads towards divorce, and they are going to get divorced if they don't get off that pathway. Some of the marriages in our church are kind of in relational purgatory. They're somewhere between um, heaven and hell, relationally speaking. If you were to ask these people, is your marriage thriving? They say, no, it's existing. We do the same thing every day, every year. And if something doesn't change, one of us is going to walk away. Now, there's others in our church today that have already walked through the door of divorce, and they can tell you that it's painful. They can tell you that, that, um, that, that it doesn't impact just the, the husband and wife. If it just impacted the, the, the mom and the dad, that'd be one thing. But everybody who's gone through divorce knows that it impacts the children, and sometimes that pain lasts for generations. So if we, if we know there's so much pain in divorce, the question is, why do we do it so often? If you go back to the last series we did, the Twisting the Truth series, the, the, the simple answer is we believe the, eyes, the lies of the enemy that, that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. 
Don't buy the lies of the enemy. Now, today I'm going to tell you why divorce is so prevalent, and, and it all starts with our words. Our words reveal what we really believe, and in this next clip, I want you to watch, and one of my favorite clips, it's one of the most famous clips from this movie, I want you to watch, there's one word in particular that keeps coming back up over and over again, watch this, and then we're going to talk about what that word is. He's climbing the rope. And he's gaining on us. Inconceivable. Faster! I thought I was going faster. You were supposed to be this colossus. You were this great legendary thing, and yet he gains. Well, I'm killing three people, and he got on himself. I do not accept excuses. I'm just going to have to find myself a new giant, that's all. Don't say that, Vincini, please. Did I make it clear that your job is at stake? I don't think it means what you think it means. Oh, I love this clip. And and if you go on the Haiti trip, you need to be ready because there's a bunch of smart Alex, a bunch of sarcasm, a bunch of stuff. And we were driving back to Port-au-Prince and, and somebody at the back of the bus said something. And, and nobody even is really talking at the front of the bus. And I hear this, you keep using that word. And I almost busted out laughing. Um, here's the thing. When I do marriage counseling, I'll ask the couple, do you love each other? And they'll say, oh, I love my spouse. And I want to say, you keep using that word. But I don't think it means what you think it means. Because the way you talk to your spouse reveals what you really feel about them. So today I'm going to give you some red lights and I'm going to give you some green lights. What does a red light mean? Stop. You need to stop doing these things because there's four predictors. There's four predictors of marital dissatisfaction. That's the red lights I'm going to give you today. If you continue to do these things, you will be divorced. It's not a question of, of if, it's a question of when. The green light means what? These are the things you do. If you do these green lights that I'm going to give you today, they will counteract, no matter how long you've been doing the red lights, they will counteract those things and you will move to marital satisfaction. So let's look at the first red light. The first red light is criticism. When you're in a conflict, if you begin to criticize the other person's character, you're on the road to divorce. Your spouse forgets to do something. You say, you're too lazy to do what I ask you to do. Then you have just declared yourself God and you understand the deepest inner workings of your partner's soul. 
You just don't care. You're saying you understand better than God does, probably better than your spouse does, what's going on inside their heart and their mind. And that's a dangerous place to be. And see, what what that does, when you criticize, you take out an axe and you begin chopping at the character of the other person. Dude, I'm going to have to have some base taken out of this because it sounds like I'm in a barrel. So you're chopping down the other person's character and here's the deal. You keep doing it, they will leave you. Second red light is defensiveness. Now, defensiveness is the natural reaction to criticism. Instead of hearing what the other person says, you try to deflect the criticism to someone or something else so that you don't have to take responsibility for what they say. And here, you're responding with an axe to what they're saying. You're not responding to uh, well to what they're saying. You're chopping down. No, you have the wrong impression of what's going on here, so you're chopping. So they're chopping at your character. You're chopping at their character. You're headed to divorce twice as fast because you got two axes working on your relationship, and you're going to be divorced. Third red light is contempt. Now you may not say it, but your tone, your actions, your countenance um, says, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I can do things better than you can do things. And here there's belittling, there's sarcasm, there's disdain for the other person. And when we get to contempt, we move beyond criticism to intentional hurt. You see the other person as the enemy and you want to get them back for either not doing what you wanted them to do or for hurting you in the first place. And this is probably the most dangerous red light because here, throw away the axe. You pull out a chainsaw and you begin chopping down your relationship faster than anything else. Fourth red light is withdrawal. And this is where you, you move away emotionally and sometimes physically from the other person. You put distance between you. It'd be like walking out of the room when they're talking or refusing to respond when they ask a question. It's a total lack of responsiveness to the other person. Now, we said that when you're driving a red light means stop. Stop doing these right now or you will be another statistic. The reason that, that Christians divorce just as much as non-Christians, is because we live like atheists who go to church once a week. We live like the Bible doesn't really have any authority in our lives. We do what we want to do and we disregard what God says. If you want to do that, then God's power is not available to you. God's not obligated to help you when you disobey him. God's not obligated. The Holy Spirit isn't obligated to help a non-praying person. You've got to respond to God's word. You've got to uh, obey God's word in order to have his blessing. Obedience always comes before blessing. If you don't stop doing these things, then you will become like Inigo Montoya. Good heavens. Are you still trying to win? You've got an overdeveloped sense of vengeance. It's going to get you into trouble someday. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die.
Montoya, you killed my father. Prepare to die. Stop saying that! Promise me that. All that I have and more. Please offer me everything I ask for. Anything you want. Some of you have an overdeveloped sense of vengeance. It's going to get you in trouble someday. There's so much I could take out of that scene. It's just, what is driving him in this scene? What is driving him? Revenge. And then if you keep going in the movie, once he gets his revenge, he doesn't know what to do. His, his life is over because that's the driving, something is driving your life. If it's revenge, you are the one who's going to be isolated. You're the one that's going to be poisoned. You're the one that's going to be lonely. But you'll get your revenge. Boy, you showed them. Some of you, some of you should be saying right now, holy cow, we're in trouble because not only do we do all four red lights, we do them all four every day. And you are in trouble. But there's hope in Jesus Christ. You run as fast as you can to the cross of Christ, both of you. And if your spouse won't do it, you do it alone because it's the right thing to do before God. Now, if you're in conflict right now, I want you to plan something fun for both of you to do, something both of you like to do. And the rule is when you go out and do that thing, you can't talk about the conflict. And somebody go, isn't that just avoiding the problem? No. What you're doing is you're focusing on what was right in the relationship in the first place. You're rekindling the friendship. Once you rekindle the friendship, then you can begin working on the problem. You are not going to solve a problem with a person you do not like. So you rekindle the friendship first, then you work on it. Now, if you don't rekindle the friendship, you're going to need Miracle Max. Sir, huh? we're in a terrible rush. Don't rush me, Sonny. You rush a miracle, man, you get rotten miracles. You got money? 65. Sheesh. I never worked for so little, except once, and that was a very noble cause. This is noble, sir. His wife is crippled. Children are on the brink of starvation. Now you are a rotten liar. I need him to help avenge my father. Murdered these 20 years. Your first story was better. Where's that bellows cram? He probably owes you money, huh? Well, I'll ask him. He's dead. He can't talk. Look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead, he's slightly alive. Now, all dead... Well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. Hey! Hello in there! Hey! What's so important? What you got here that's worth living for? You heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Yes, honey. True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for a nice MLT. A mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. It's so perky. I love that. But that's not what he said. He distinctly said to blave. And as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Huh? So you're probably playing cards and he cheated. Liar! 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 Get back, witch! I'm not! I'm your wife. 
what you just said. I'm not even sure I want to be that anymore. You never had it so good. To love. He said to love, Max. Don't say another word, Valerie. He's afraid. Ever since Prince Humperdinck fired him, his confidence is shattered. Why'd you say that then? You promised me that you would never say that name. What? Humperdinck? Ah! Humperdinck! Ah! That's a miracle pill. The chocolate coating makes it go down easier, but you have to wait 15 minutes for full potency. And you shouldn't go in swimming after for at least one. An, an hour. Yeah, an a hour. good hour. Yeah. Thank you for everything. Okay. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll wait? It would take a miracle. I can't tell you how many times that, that sometimes I counsel back here in the in the crying baby room. Sometimes it's out in the living room. Um, I'll I'll go home and and Janie will say, "Well, so how'd it go?" And I'll be like Miracle Max. I'll say, "It's going to take a miracle," or it will take two people who grow up and act like adults. If they're Christ followers, people who will obey what God says about relationships. Too many people are so selfish, so so immature that I don't know how they got along in the first place. There's times I say, do you even like each other? There's actually been two times, I've been a minister 32 years, there's two times, it's both happened in this building, when I've sat out there and I said, look, why are we even meeting? You don't do anything I suggest and you don't like each other. Do you like each other? Nope. I said, then go get a divorce. And they did. Now, here's the thing. Don't you ever counsel somebody to do something that's contrary to the scripture. I wasn't saying to them that, that they should get a divorce. I'm saying there's no way you can reconcile if you don't obey the scripture. Don't be the guy. Don't be the girl who, who tells somebody to do something that's contrary to scripture. Happens all the time. When, when I need wisdom, I'll talk to Jeff and Jeff will point me to the scripture. I talk to Joe. Joe points me to the scripture. If you come to me, I'm going to point you to the scripture. Don't ever, ever counsel someone to do something that's contrary to scripture because then you're opposing God. All right. Now, some of you are saying my marriage is too far gone. Well, look who knows so much about dead things. There's no such thing as a marriage too dead for Christ to resurrect. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to his followers to resurrect your marriage. Don't say that it can't happen. All things are possible with God. So let's figure out these green lights. Let's figure out the things you need to start doing to counteract those things you've been doing. Number one, green light is honor. I love the scripture. I love that that, that uh, Old Testament is in Hebrew and Aramaic. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. Every word had a word picture behind it. Honor was something like a pot of gold. If you honored someone, then you were saying, I value them as much as I value the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And you don't just get to say it, you have to show them. So if I said, I honor George Stanley, then, then everybody would know, not only do I value George's opinion, I treat him in a way that he feels valued. Dishonor is the opposite side of that. 
So honor, the first thing you want to do is honor. Let me tell you how you honor someone. Number one, you, uh, you offer affirmation. Affirmation is you say to someone, you're really good at that. It's a statement of fact. I look at Janie. Janie's a great cook. She's, she's a great mom. She's a great um, children's worker. Those are statements of fact. I say, you are really good at this, and I appreciate that. Second thing you do to honor someone is you admire them. Admiration. Now, admiration goes beyond just statements of fact. You admire what the person does, um, and, and you enthusiastic, enthusiastically approve of them. So I say to Janie, I don't know how you grocery shop, how you cook, how you clean, how you make me feel loved, and then how do you pull off one of the coolest preteen retreats I've ever seen? That amazes me. You tell the person the impact that they have in your world, you affirm, you admire. Now, just last week, I preached in, in Jockmel, and, and uh, it was the shortest worship service we've ever been to in Haiti. We were worshiping outside, and, and about an hour later, I, everybody in the group was like, preach short, preach short, preach short, you know, because it's getting hot. So I preach short, and then the pastor stands up, and he says, he says uh, it's kind of getting kind of hot out here. Let's finish. So at 9.36 a.m. last week, first time in, in, in Haiti that we hadn't been part of a three-hour worship service, and we're like... Praise God. We're, cause, you know, we don't always understand. This was one of the most fun services. They were dancing. They were singing. We had a great time in this worship service. And then Sunday night, we're sitting around and we're having a, a team meeting with the Praying Pelican staff. And they said, just tell us some way you saw God move today. And, and Janie says, she's sitting right behind me and she says, I want to tell you that I admire my husband. I know how hard he works. I know that he, he works on his sermons and he teaches in our church and people understand. She said, today I saw him teach to a different culture and they understood. And she said, I'm amazed at that. Every time she's in here, uh, the, the card I want to see is her card. When she says, man, I love listening to you preach today. You did a great job and you looked hot. I'm like, yeah, life is good. When I honor her and she honors me, it takes our relationship to an HNL, a whole nother level. See, because your words can be used for good or evil. Too often we use them for evil. Look what the scripture says about when you use them the right way. Proverbs 25, 11, message translation. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Ladies, you like jewelry, right? I said ladies in the first service and, and Travis goes, yes. I said, ladies, how many you like jewelry? And I'm like, dude, it's women. And he, j- he said later, he was just seeing if Thatcher would raise his hand. And sure enough, Thatcher did. So I got two dudes at the back. Ladies, how many you like jewelry? Okay. Anyway, ladies, how many of you like jewelry? After that, no dude should raise their hands. <sighs> Honor, affirmation, adoration are like verbal jewelry. So let's just declare in our kingdoms, there will be much verbal blingdom. Joe was sitting down here at the first service. He goes, dude, how long did it take you to come up with that one? So the first thing is we're going to honor. We're going to choose to honor. Second thing is we're going to be vulnerable. Vulnerability. This is the opposite of being defensive. Each one of these is the opposite of the one I mentioned earlier. Guys, your, your wife has been wired to connect with you. She wants to connect with you. you. She may have been attracted to you because you were the strong, silent type, but she, her heart will be won over by a man who lets her inside his heart and his emotions. She wants that from you, and it's not something most men do naturally. So we're going to create venues of vulnerability. I'm talking about a date night. Again, 
That took me a while. She wants to date you, and the dates don't have to be expensive. Go on a walk. Go, go to the park and sit on the swings. Be creative now. You couldn't wait to spend time with her when you were dating. What's the problem now? <laughs> you are. You need to make some time to be vulnerable. Take trips, just the two of you. Your kids will survive. In fact, I believe your kids will be better off if you invest in your marriage. Vulnerability only happens with time. You can't do it when you're stressed. You can't do it when, when your kids are the center of your universe. By the way, do you know what kids stands for? Keeping intimacy at a distance successfully. That's what it means. That's somewhere in scripture in hesitations two, four or something like that. Kids will suck intimacy and vulnerability out of your relationship. And then they'll leave home, hopefully. (laughs) See, God designed the family where the spouse stays and the kids go. They get to come home for holidays, two or three days, then they leave again. Right? That's the way God designed it. Someone told me the other day that it has been 10 years since they've done anything alone with their spouse. And I'm just going to be gut level honest with you. My, I didn't say it. I probably should have. I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because I'm not going to go 10 months without spending some alone time with Janie. I'm not going to go 10 days without spending some alone time with Janie. Even if that's just closing the door, sitting on the bed and talking, sometimes we'll talk and we just talk. We call it having a slumber party when we close the door and we just talk. It's one of her favorite things to do. It's dumb not to invest in your relationship. If you, if you spend some time and get vulnerable with your spouse, your relationship is going to be better. Now here's the, here's the one thing the don't in the middle of all these do's. Don't you dare make your spouse's vulnerabilities public. Janie and I have secrets. And some of them are funny. And she has said, I will kill you if you ever share this, even after I'm dead. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, you're dead. I'm sharing them at the funeral. You're alive. And so I said, you you better not die first. That's, That's my motivation. I said, I'm dying first. I don't care if she shares my secrets. But she said, don't you even. And they are funny. Man, you would laugh. And I would lose my relationship with my wife if I were to share them with you. And so some cheap laugh, that's not worth it. I'd rather have intimacy with my wife than you laugh at some of her silly things. I got sillier, but anyway, I've told you most of mine, so it doesn't do her any good to keep mine. Don't you dare tell your spouse's stuff publicly. We really ought to, we, we really ought to stone you. <laughs> this just came to me. We should, we should stone people if they do that, right? In small group, just carry them outside. We got rocks in the back. <laughs> Green light number three, respect. This is the opposite of contempt. Contempt says I'm better than you. Contempt says you're not good enough. Respect says I've, I highly value you. Did you know you can tell a lot about a relationship by how the spouse watches their spouse talk? And and I don't care if it's the husband or wife, either one. If a wife is sitting there while her husband is talking and she's rolling her eyes and she's constantly correcting him, she does not respect him. In Ephesians chapter 5, I use this in every wedding that I've ever done. First it says, 
submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Then it says, um, wives submit to your husbands. Then it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. You get all the way down to verse 31 and it says, wives respect your husbands. Never tells the wives to love their husbands. It tells the husbands to love their wives and to protect them like Christ did, to give their lives like Christ did. And then it says, wives respect your husbands. Why? Because husbands do not believe you love them if you do not respect them. When you criticize them and then turn around and say, oh, I love you, you do not get credit for the I love you because they don't believe you. And they may never tell you, but in their heart, they're saying, you're a liar. I do not believe you love me because you do not show it through your respect. Scripture, straight out of scripture. Look it up. Respect. If she's rolling her eyes, she doesn't respect him. So when you disrespect your spouse or either way, husband and wife disrespecting, the Bible says you've become one flesh. You're really hurting yourself by disrespecting your spouse. So what I want you to do is is stop focusing on what's wrong with your relationship and start focusing on what's right. This last clip, they're arguing, arguing, arguing. Finally, they they start focusing on what's right, and it makes a huge difference. I know who you are. Your cruelty reveals everything. You're the dread pirate Roberts. Admit it. With pride. What can I do for you? You can die slowly, cut into a thousand pieces. Hardly complimentary, Your Highness. Why lose your venom on me? You killed my love. It's possible. I kill a lot of people. Who was this love of yours? Another prince like this one? Ugly, rich, and scabby? No. A farm boy. Poor. Poor and perfect. With eyes like the sea after a storm. On the high seas, your ship attacked. The dread pirate Roberts never takes prisoners. I can't afford to make exceptions. I mean, once word leaks out that a pirate has gone soft, people begin to disobey you, and then it's nothing but work, work, work all the time. You mock my pain! Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. I remember this farm boy of yours, I think. This would be, what, five years ago? Does it bother you to hear? Nothing you can say will upset me. He died well. That should please you. No bribe attempts or blubbering. He simply said, please. Please, I need to live. It was the please that caught my memory. I asked him what was so important for him here. True love, he replied. And then he spoke of a girl of surpassing beauty and faithfulness. I can only assume he meant you. You should bless me for destroying him before he found out what you really are. And what am I? Faithfulness he talked of, madam. Your enduring faithfulness. Now tell me truly, when you found out he was gone, did you get engaged to your prince that same hour or did you wait a whole week out of respect for the dead? You mocked me once. Never do it again. I died that day. You can die, too, for all I care. As you wish. Oh, my sweet Wesley. What have I done? Ow. Can 
you move at all? No. You're alive. If you want, I can fly. We do some crazy things for love, like jumping down a hill. <clears throat> okay. So here's the green light number four, and we're finished. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is the opposite of withdrawing. Look what the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 5.18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He keeps using what? Reconciliation. Reconciling. Do you think Paul knew what that word meant? Sure he did. He says... Christ was reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. If the God of the universe does not count your sins against you, you cannot count your spouse's sins against you either. See, withdrawal is about building walls and, and burning down bridges. God says his kingdom is about building bridges and tearing down walls. If your marriage is dominated by the red lights, then you've got walls up and you're burning bridges. God says, no, no, no. I want you to build bridges to let people come in. But you don't know what she did to me. She has to pay. And you you treat your relationship like it's a toll bridge. She hurt me this much and I've got to hurt her this much. My first response is, how old are you? Now, I agree. A sin has been committed and a payment needs to be made. Newsflash. The payment has already been made. Jesus Christ reconciled the world to himself. He opened the door so that you could be reconciled to God. No longer holding your sins against you so you can no longer hold your spouse's sins against them as well. Are you building bridges or are you building walls? Bow your heads for just a moment. As I spoke to get today, one of these things came up in your mind. I'm either a person who builds bridges or I build walls. And you need to confess that to God and ask him to help you keep building bridges or help you to tear down the walls. Father, may we be a church that takes obeying your word seriously, even when we don't like it. Because either you're our Lord or you're not. You're either God and you're in charge or you're not. Help us to be obedient. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.